Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is Imran, the Don Khan. Yo, Blessing. Imran, how dare you? How dare I? How dare, how I? dare you? You're leaving this me. Have, this could apply to so many things. Oh, uh, yeah, I am leaving you. Uh, look, I wanted to give you come a on, full dude, year of like training you in Kind of Funny Games. And then like after I that, I was going to be like, adios. Like you, you've become the student has become the master. Might as well just let blessing take the reins and like. I didn't realize I was being like trained in this way. You know, I, I, if I knew, I would have like learned more lessons. You really should have right, learned. He, they he never realized. <laughs> like what? What were the lessons? What did I learn? One lie all the time. Mm -hmm. Because if you mm -hmm. lie, then like no one's gonna be able to know. No one knows if you're telling the truth or not. So there you go. You you get a ton of clout for nothing. Are you going to confirm or deny you've been doing the thing where you tell one line episode to see if people catch it? I've forgotten so much, like so many times. Like sometimes I do it, but it's like, I want to say it's like 50-50. That, like, <laughs> oh, that's, awesome. that's awesome. Of course, if people are just joining and they don't know what's going on, Imran, you're leaving us. Can you, can you catch people up if they haven't heard G Gamescast yet? Uh, yeah, I will be leaving. Next week is going to be my last week here at Kind of Funny as a regular co-host. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving to go build out the news section of fanbite.com. I don't even know what that means. I, <laughs> it means I get to write more. Like That's exciting, I, I pitched, I, guess. I pitched an idea of I want to write about Mario Sunshine being a Yakuza game. They're like, yeah, sure. So that's basically the kind of thing I'm going to be doing awesome. from here on out. Like, but I'm, I will still be back here as often as I like my schedule allows. So I, I do not plan to be away from kind of funny for like a permanent basis. Perfect. So this isn't this isn't goodbye. This is just see you later. This is I'm gonna stay as involved as possible so I can keep getting game codes from Greg. Perfect. I yeah. understand. <laughs> that is actually a very good strategy because I would do the plan. exact same thing. That's a, That's a very good plan. Imran, I'm I'm upset to see you leave on a permanent basis, even though I know I'll still see you all the time. And I know like when, when things get back to normal after quarantine, like we were just talking, you're gonna be at the studio all the time anyway, just yeah. hanging out because you're still and gonna also, be in the area. It's very possible I'm going to live near you at some point. So like, yeah, it is. Yeah, we're hanging out, and we're <laughs> we're gonna eventually take that trip to Sonic. Yes, I don't know how we. I actually do know how we've not done that yet. Quarantine, yeah, but yeah, like quarantine. I, we got it. We have to honest. do that at a certain point. We got to do the Absolutely. Sonic trip. We got to do the the fried or the chicken sandwich thing, oh, and we yeah. have to at some point just go to see Nurse's Egg and like get a burrito. Oh my god! Oh my god! So yes, bad. we're doing it all. I, I cannot this. wait for for the pandemic to be over, but well, that's, that's so far short, away. I have a short day today. <laughs> we wore, both wear masks. We can go to Mr. Sinig. I don't have a short day today, though. Wait, how do you have a short day? We're recording up, in dude. review later. Yeah, I'm not on that. Tim just fucking booted me from it. He was like, ooh, Blessing's going to be on. Oh, damn. Yeah, it sucks. Oh, so I took your spot. Yeah, I guess. I'm damn. The I'm the disposable one. The Indiana Jones one, right? Yeah, yeah this is the Indiana, Indiana okay. Jones review, which we're recording later today, and I believe will be up tomorrow if I have that right. So look forward to that. Yeah. You know you what like else you movie? can look forward to? I'll, I'll let people know later. I don't want to spoil Indiana Jones review because I think it's going to be a fun one. And so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Listen to it when it comes out tomorrow. But for today, let's talk about video game news. Today's stories for KFGD include PlayStation 5 sales figures, uh, Embracer Group acquiring three more studios and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every day at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. 
To be a part of the show, at to patreon.com slash games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping for you, a new episode of Gamescast is live right now. It's a full episode of what we've been playing. So we talk about things like Super Mario 3D World, Balland Wonder, Wonder World, uh, Destruction All-Stars, and more. That's up over on YouTube.com slash games and podcast Talking services around Balan the globe. Balland Wonder World. I went and played the demo again. Like I wanted, I wanted to see what would happen if I changed the like to a boy or a girl or whatever. There's different CG cutscenes. Like they're not just like one character replaced. They're different, and they change like a little bit for skin tone as well. So there's like six of these CG intro cutscenes in this game that is clearly hurting for budget. That's awesome. They're like, yo, we, we they're like we could do a palette swap on each of these and make the same thing like any other game would, or, or do it real time or something, something not to make six different CG cutscenes. That is fantastic. If you're not familiar with Battle and Wonder World, again, listen to that games cast because it is worth it just for the Battle and Wonder World discussion. Because that game baffles me. The demo is out now. Go check out the demo if you're inclined to, because it is something special. It is something so, special. It <laughs> Thank so you to our amazing. Patreon producers. What was that? I was going to say it sounds interesting, but I don't want to watch it. Tell me about it, but it's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Graham of Legend, David Mintel, Trent Berry, Blackjack, Louise Aguiar, James Davis, and the Nanobiologist. Today we're brought to you by Brooklinen and Honey, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Don't leave. I'm Kevin, what was that? Are you good? I am fine. What do you mean? Remember when Andrew was like, don't worry. I'll still be around. We'll hang out. She's not. Well, she moved to LA. That's That's totally different. It, ha- it happens every yeah, time. It's the Gamescast right. curse, man. The Gamescast always gets somebody. At the beginning of the year, whenever you're on a predictions episode, the first Gamescast Look, of the year, that means you're gone I'm soon gonna, after. I'm, I'm just going to point out, Blessing, if they don't replace me on the Gamescast next year, that means it's you. That oh, means you're the one who gets to oh, thank the God. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> I can be free. Uh, also, let's start not, with... Let's, let's, let's just make a note. It's not really a curse as much as... A, like a gift i don't know like it's a, a good thing you know what i mean like his life's getting better everyone that's gone off to do other things ha- has their gone lives off have to improved. do better things you know their lives have improved with the exception of maybe jerry petty <laughs> story bastard. number one whoa, whoa. let's talk about <laughs> playstation 5 sales oh that's great you are not call. leaving you are not leaving get that out of your head right now all right i'll put what? any other body on there you know i'll hire people for a day to get it you're not going anywhere we oh, you God. are ours for life that sounds like a threat I don't Remember, like you are here forever i'm gonna get the mr burns plaque and put it in your room oh i don't like that uh yeah i don't like that at all too bad you signed up for it that was the contract sweet Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Infinity, yeah, kind of funny. Story number one. Uh, finally, we have our PlayStation 5 sales figures. This is from Sam Bifford at The Verge. Sony has shipped 4.5 million PlayStation 5 units worldwide in 2020, as revealed by information published alongside the company's latest earnings report. The number highlights Sony's current ability to mass produce the console, which has been extremely difficult to buy since its launch in November. Demand for the PS4 dropped dramatically year on year with 1.4 million units shipped in the October to December quarter, a 77% decrease from the previous year. 
Sony actually managed to sell fewer PS4s in the holiday quarter than it did from July to September. Sony's gaming business overall performed much better than a year ago, with analyst Daniel Ahmad noting that it was actually the best quarter in PlayStation history. Revenue increased 40% to 883.2 billion yen, that's $8.4 billion, partly driven by PS5 sales. Operating profit was up by 50% to 80.2 billion yen, uh, that's $763.3 million, because of higher game sales, PlayStation Plus subscriptions, and better margins on PS4 hardware. Sony does note, however, that expenses related to the PS5 launch offset some of its profit gains, and also confirms that the PS5 hardware itself is being sold for less than it costs to make. A loss was incurred due to, quote, strategic price points for PS5 hardware that were set lower than the manufacturing costs, the company says. There's not much to read into PS5 sales numbers until people who, well, let me say that again. There's not much to read into PS5 sales numbers until people who want to buy one are actually able to do so. But at the very least, the, the console's launch seems to be broadly comparable in size to the PS4's. The PS4 also shipped 4.5 million units in its launch quarter. Imran. There's a lot of places we can start here. Where do you want to go? So uh, comparing it to PS4 is going to be very like helpful, like because PS4 is what at 115 million units now. So like Flying around there, yeah, yeah. So if the PS5 hits that, that's like we're at the point where almost every PlayStation console has sold over 100 million units, which is you know incredible and ridiculous and like great for Sony. Uh. This is not to impugn the PS5. Why? Obviously, supply, our demand is far outstripping supply. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, what is it that people desperately want to play on the PS5 or they just want to own a PS5? I mean, that's a really good question, right? Because, like, when it comes to launch stuff, Miles Morales was available on uh, PS4. And we're going to talk about Miles Morales in a second because that's story number two. Because sales numbers for that is out, too. Um, but I, 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 I think it's a combination of things, right? PlayStation as a brand, I think, is very good at building hype and building anticipation for the next big box. And we, me and Greg have talked about this on PS Love You that the PlayStation, the hype for next for the uh, for a new PlayStation launch, kind of goes beyond just the 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 gamer sphere. Like I go on TikTok and people are talking about how they're going to buy their significant other a new PlayStation 5 for Christmas. Or people are talking about how, oh, I can't find a new PlayStation 5. People are talking about Miles Morales and all this stuff outside of just the gaming space, which I think is something that PlayStation marketing and PlayStation, I guess, as, PlayStation as an ecosystem does well, right? Like, it's, that, it's that idea of, quote unquote, we believe in generations, which like we dispute or or support depending on different things, right? Like. Miles Morales coming to coming to multiple consoles doesn't necessarily support that, but the overall overall idea is there in terms of yeah we're we're trying to make the jump. Uh, the PS the PS4 is selling less the uh, yeah. in this last holiday season kind of supports that idea of people are very much on board with the idea of making the jump to the PS5. Yeah, there's very clearly like a like you can see the demand go from the PS4 to the PS5 in this past quarter, which is not always the case. Like PS3 did fall off a cliff, but like PS2 didn't. PS2 sold 50 million units after the PS3 came out. So like it's interesting that Sony was able to so easily move new buyers from PS4 to PS5. But at the same time, they're also trying to uh I guess like satiate old 
existing PS4 owners with stuff like Miles Morales, with Horizon, with I'm just gonna guess God of War. Like mm-hmm. I, it I don't exactly know where their head at head is at right now, but it seems like they want to serve all audiences and they're doing a decent job of that. But they're not. They want new audiences to buy a PS5, and that seems to be what's actually happening. Do you think the bells and whistles of the PS5 appeals more to people than we may think? Because like when we when we think of why would people make that jump or why do people feel compelled to make that jump so strongly uh, when we have games that are on both platforms, like the games that the games that are available on PS5 only, right, are games like Demon Souls, which is a big game, but isn't the most mainstream like Hollywood blockbuster game. That is a game that is going to appeal to gamers specifically. Uh, and you also you also have like other ga- other games here and there, right? Ratchet and Clank is going to be a PS5 game. Um, do you think things like ray tracing and 4K and all this different stuff appeals more to people than we give it credit for? I really don't know. Like, if you asked me ten years ago, like, would would the technical aspects of a box of the console be a selling point for John consumer? The answer would probably be no. But like. Maybe people just know a lot better. Like, you, if you go into a Best Buy, and don't go into a Best Buy because of COVID, but if you went into a Best Buy and you saw, like, all these TVs saying, like, this one's 4K, this one's QLED, this one's blah, 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 I guarantee you most people wouldn't be like, oh, I know exactly what that is, but they would go, I know this is better. And I think that's what drives a lot of, like, console stuff now, too, of, like, I don't exactly know what the diff- – like, what a – what the uh why the ps5 box says 8k or what ray tracing is exactly or what it does but i know that like this this screen of miles morales looks better than that screen of miles morales so Mm -hmm. like i'm interested in this thing and i think that's that's like half marketing and that's what they've been doing not they that's what the video game industry has been doing for years like blast processing didn't mean shit but people knew it was a thing so they you know they like they called it up on console wars arguments and stuff like that i think for Sony is like is a wallet opener in some ways of like okay maybe you don't know exactly why this is better than the PS4 but we're telling you the numbers are higher so go ahead yeah. and buy one yeah I, I, I so I listened to a, a podcast called the Joe Budden podcast which is like a hip-hop uh culture podcast right three dudes just kicking it uh and that that podcast has nothing to do with video games there have been multiple times while listening to that podcast where they reference like oh yeah i just bought a ps5 or oh yeah i bought bought my nephew a ps5 and to to your exact point they're like every every time i've heard that like statement or or heard heard that sentiment outside of gaming podcasts it's never really accompanied by oh we bought it for x game or we bought it for 60 frames per second or we bought it because of this reason It, it it does feel like a we bought this for the same reason why we would buy the new Nike shoe, right? Like it is this awesome, like it, it's, it's, it's this cool thing that everybody's all about. It's the zeitgeist, it's the zeitgeist, it's the next step. Uh, I, I've been told I can play new games on it. Cool, let's go. Like I'm down to jump into the next console generation because the idea of that of itself is exciting. Yeah, I was on BBC a couple of months ago and they were like, the, the, our, uh, the news person was just like, okay, so just explain these new consoles. Like, why do people want them? Why is there such a fervor? I'm like, that's such a broad question. I don't know. Like, that, it's better. Like, that is the long and short of it, is it's better. The load times are better. The graphics are better. And I understand when the PS4 and Xbox One came out, because the previous generation was just going on so long. I feel like maybe there's like a an equivalent pent-up thing of like, God, the load times this generation got so like got 
just increased in length so much mm. or these consoles were so weak that I didn't feel like we got a real improvement over the course of generation. So I'm eager for like a big new like beast of a console. Like maybe that's what's really driving it here, which is, you know, perfectly reasonable for a new generation to do. Do you think when it's all said and done that this will be the best PlayStation launch? I mean, no, because right now it's matching the PS4 and they can't sell enough. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like, I think... Do you, do you sale. think though in in the longer run it ends up like outpacing? Outpacing the PS2 or the, the PS4? PS4 or the PS4 specifically. The PS4, yes, probably. Maybe. Like the PS4 also launched against like the Wii U and the Xbox One, which meant it had like no real competition. Uh, but this the Series X is, I think, a little bit more capable in terms of market viability. And the Switch is basically just shattering records left and right. So mm-hmm. it might be a bit harder, but you know, we we'll see. I, I, it has a decent chance, but it's got to like really pick up momentum fast and then carry it through the generation, which is going to be difficult. It's very easy to do as the market leader, but if you're like sharing the market leader position with like different kinds of things, then that's a bit harder. But also, COVID could like really change things up. We don't know like how much that is going to change the home console market in terms of sales. So it is, it is more of an open question. I do think they're kind of blowing it with this like sort of anemic launch schedule of like we had two games last year we have destruction all-stars yesterday mm-hmm. we returnal is next month april something the returnal got delayed so i think it's may now kind of find out com slash you're wrong okay and then right ratchet and clank hasn't been dated yet which could come it could come next month or it could come in like june who knows but like april 30th I, is returnal okay i feel like there should be a bunch of more games right now for but like also people don't own ps5 so maybe they they, basically they need to be careful of the fact that like right now people want a ps5 regardless of what games are also out they need to watch out for the sudden flip of why do i want a ps5 if no Mm -hmm. games are out right now what is that really doing for me so like i'm not saying that's going to happen but if it does happen then that hurts momentum real bad yeah I mean, uh, to my question of, is this the best PlayStation launch? Or at least, is this a better PlayStation launch than PS4? It's very hard to measure demand for the exact reason of there's just not enough consoles to supply demand. And so right now, it's neck and neck with PS4, but that's just because as many consoles that that PlayStation can get out currently. So if you are talking about games, like, compared to the PS4 launch, the games are way better. You know, the yes, launch the launch sure. lineup, way better. Even in this first quarter, we're getting games like Hitman. We're getting game, uh, we're getting we're gonna get Ratchet and Clank, we're gonna get Returnal, and we're gonna see how that does, right? And we're we're uh Horizon this year, and then also God of War is slated for this year. Whether or not we get it this year, we'll see. But that's a strong launch right there, right? I would say that's probably the strongest PlayStation launch there's been in terms of first year and a half or so. Yeah, and so like to the question of is this the best PlayStation launch, or is this going to uh, is this going to eventually outpace the PS4? I, my immediate assumption is yes, because games combined with the idea of yeah, COVID and how that spiked interest in games and game sales and all that, like it seems like this is going to be long term. This is going to this this sales pace is going to keep up. I mean, hopefully for that, like a bigger industry is better for everybody. 100 percent uh let's continue talking about playstation sales with story number two miles morales has sold 
4.1 million units in 2020. This is from Sheriff Saeed at VG247. Spider-Man Miles Morales has proven to be a solid hit for PlayStation. The game, which launched alongside the PS5 in November, has sold has so far sold 4.1 million copies to consumers as of December 31st, 2020. The number includes PS4 and PS5 copies, both digitally and at retail. This is a decent turnout for a smaller scale expansion, but it is nowhere near the mega hit that is its predecessor, Spider-Man. By comparison, Spider-Man sold over 3.3 million in just three days and has now exceeded 20 million units since its release in September 2018. Miles Morales was never going to overtake Spider-Man in sales, of course, but according to third-party reports, it managed to sell more than Uncharted The Lost Legacy, the similarly sized and budgeted standalone expansion. That said, it's worth keeping in mind that Miles Morales will continue to sell well in the near future as launch games often become must-owns for early adopters. Imran Khan. The, this article mentions that it was, it was a given that this game wasn't going to sell as much as the original Marvel, Marvel Spider-Man. For me, I don't know if that was the case given that this game is still on the PS4. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I'd love to see the, the breakdown of, like, Lost Legacy versus, like, the, the mainline Uncharted games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it feels like a lower-budget project, and it was a lower-budget project, so, like, it makes sense that it's not, like, they're not... I imagine 3.3 million is at or above expectations for them already. Uh, or, not sorry, uh, 4.1 million. Yeah. That, but, like, interesting... Well, okay, I was going to say it has a very high PS5 attach rate, but I guess the the 4.1 is between PS4 and PS5. So I, I also want to see the breakdown of, like, which went where. Like, I I have not talked to a single person, personally that I know. I know I've seen it on the internet, but I've not talked, no, I don't know anybody who bought a PS5 but did not buy Miles Morales for PS5. They either mm-hmm. bought a PS5 or, like, didn't buy Miles Morales, period, for any system, or, like, just didn't buy a PS5 or, like, bought it on a PS4. I would assume that, like, yeah, I'd assume that Miles Morales is going to sell better over time. Like, launch, oh, like, yeah. the, like the article says, like, I could see it being an evergreen title. Maybe Spider Man 2 cancels out a little bit, but yeah, I think Spider- Miles Morales will do fine over time. And I don't see it hitting 20 million, but I, I'll see it like, I could see 10 or 11, theoretically. See, part of me is surprised that Miles Morales isn't selling in the way that. Zelda Breath of the Wild sold on Switch, where there were reports after that release that Zelda Breath of the Wild was outselling the Switch, like in terms of copies, right? Like right. the the actual attachment rate was higher than one to one, which is a crazy crazy thing to think about. I would have expected a similar thing from Miles Morales, but I do think that kind of comes back to the launch lineup for PlayStation Five having multiple quality games there. So like you don't have like if you get a PS Five. You don't have to buy Miles Morales. It's not the only thing for you to get. You could get Assassin's Creed. You could get Demon Souls. You know, you could get Bug Snacks if you're if you're buying a PS5 specifically to play Bug Snacks. Like the op- the op- the options are there that I think means uh, which I think leads to Miles Morales not necessarily selling having that one to one attachment rate, but still selling great because it's a Spider Man game. Yeah. Also, like keep in mind, Breath of the Wild was like hailed as a once in a generation kind of game. It's like mm-hmm. this is also logic for Switch. Miles Morales very good doesn't quite have that same critical like praise that breath of the wild did so i think breath of the wild is a very high bar in terms of like what a launch title can do for your console it's not easily repeatable even from like the best studios in the world like it is just a difficult thing to to like get that level of hype uh and critical consensus around it Mm. 
Imran, let's keep on the sales train. Story number three, Borderlands developer Gearbox has been acquired by Embracer, Embracer Group. Uh, this is Matthew Handrahan at GamesIndustry.biz. Embracer Group has made its most significant acquisition to date with a $1.3 billion deal for Borderlands developer Gearbox Entertainment. That figure was given as the maximum value of the transaction, which will see the Texas-based company become a wholly owned subsidiary of Embracer Group. Gearbox Entertainment's 550-person team will join the Swedish group's 5,500-strong uh, workforce. Gearbox co-founder Randy Pitchford will remain the head of the company when the deal completes. In a statement, Pitchford cited the, uh, the appeal of Embracer CEO Lars Wingfors' uh, strategy to create, quote, an allied partner group committed to fueling and accelerating the ambitions of a series of decentralized, successful, entrepreneurial companies while magnifying the collective value and advantages of diversification across the entire group. That's a damn sentence. There's so <laughs> many words in that sentence, but you get what he means. I can't feel like Randy Pitchford saying those words. I so. can't either. That's the funniest part about this is like, okay, this was written. I Randy Pitchford is not saying that sentence out loud to anybody. That was definitely like included in the email. That was like overlooked by five different people. The feeling at Gearbox is that, and this is still a quote from Randy Pitchford. The feeling at Gearbox is that we are just getting started, and this transaction is not merely is not merely a stimulant for the talent of our employee-owned company, but a propellant for the exciting future we have planned. Pitchford said. Gearbox is best known for Borderlands, but its catalog also includes the Brothers in Arms franchise. In 2016, it moved into publishing and has since launched titles, uh, including We Happy Few and Godfall. 2K Games has, has released a statement clarifying that its relationship with Gearbox and status as the publisher of Borderlands remains unaffected by Embracer's, Embracer's acquisition. Quote, the merger does not change 2K's relationship with Gearbox, nor our role as the publisher for Borderlands IP or any other projects we are currently working with, uh, working on with the studio. We look forward to continuing our long-term partnership and uh, our long-term partnership with this incredibly, incredibly talented team, and delivering many more exciting entertainment experiences to gaming fans around the world. End quote. Imran, where do you want to start with this one? Okay, so let me start with this. I'm not going to go to bat for like Gearbox being like an incredible force for the industry or like like this incredibly creative uh, independent thing that needs to thrive. But this Embracer shit's getting scary of like they own 56 studios now. That is too many. They are making like it might be 58 after last night. Like the consolidation of the industry is getting bad. At some point in like 10 years, it's going to be like Nintendo and other. Like that's it. That's going to be like the two gaming companies anymore. And like, I don't, I, I'm not going to cry tears over Gearbox specifically, but like there's a lot of stuff that I feel like shouldn't be associated with the company that did an HNAMA, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it should all be, like, diversified and separate and all that stuff. It's great that a lot of companies are getting money they wouldn't have gotten before. It's great that they're not shutting down. Like, that that's cool. But I wish it wasn't, like... I wish I didn't feel like I was watching the... the the Hydra takeover scene from Winter Soldier, you know? Like, everyone's going, like, Hail Hydra. And, like, everything just suddenly changes like that's what it kind of feels like happening and i know they're probably they're, i'm not gonna say probably not evil because they're a, such a big corporation corporations are corporations you know yeah but like i don't know like i'm watching this sort of thing and i'm someone who's been watching this for like damn near 30 years and i'm like this is not you know this what's is the, not great what's the name of the founder magnus something 
Is it? Yeah, I think Magnus so. Of uh, Embracer Group? Yeah, right? Because we like, we, there was like a. Lars... The CEO is, is Lars Wingfurs. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. All right, never mind. I'm going to retract into my. Right down. I'm going in now, founder of Embracer Group, because I want to know if there is a, a, Ma- a Magnus. <laughs> no, it's La- La- Lars Wing- uh, Wingfurs is the founder and CEO, it looks like. I see, I see. Yeah. Lars Wingfurs. There's yeah. a Magnus Link who was a project manager at uh, one of those studios. I, I'm, I must be mixing something up. It's still not a, it's still a, like the kind of villain CEO name you would see. Yeah, no, any name. Lars does sound like a oh, you are a villain of Mission Impossible. Like you're gonna come <laughs> through at the end of the movie and then like throw money at people and they're gonna shoot me or something. Like that is the that kind of name. Uh, this is this 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 is a wild move. Like for Embracer yeah. Group that has been making these types of moves over the course of it feels like what like three four years at this point it, it, it's been such a wild journey from watching them like come up from uh ri- rise as being thq nordic kevin you have it pulled up here is this that you're showing yeah yeah that's him, that's him. oh is that lars Lar- yeah we were talking about him oh that point. dude has mission impossible yeah. villain energy for sure right? for sure <laughs> for sure oh my god ethan hunt um no, for like to watch their journey coming from like ri- rising as THQ Nordic and eventually beginning becoming bigger and bigger and acquiring all these different studios and companies that are kind of in that mid tier, right? Like they really lived up to the name of THQ Nordic because they are acquiring all these double A mid tier developers and slowly becoming bigger and bigger. And now they've now they've acquired Gearbox, which is right. a high tier AAA developer. Like Borderlands is is a very profitable game. That game makes a lot of money and my immediate question was like okay what happens to borderlands like how does that go because if thq if um embrace group is not going to make borderlands money you know that's a big deal and t2k uh, still publishing and so like there's there's still gonna be those splits there but nonetheless like that is still a a, a huge deal that they're acquiring gearbox uh, three things a couple of things here one mm-hmm. 2k says they're looking forward to continuing publishing i imagine that changes Gearbox owns the IP. I I can see Embracer, like maybe going okay. Yeah, let's just, just they can deal with it. Like they'll publish it. They'll pay the money, whatever. But at some point, you probably want that in house. So I Hell don't. Yeah. I don't think that relationship is going to last forever. They own the publishing rights to the first three games, so they can't go back. Maybe Embracer negotiates for to get those to them. But yeah, I don't see that necessarily being a thing. Um, two. Someone in chat was saying, like, Imran's going to hold that AMA over them for- forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, they fucked up and they never apologized about it. And, like, increasingly that is a white supremacist or was a white supremacist site, is a site with, like, the people who, you know, the QAnon and all those kinds of people, like, congregated there and, like, gave birth to, like, the, you know, insurrectionist-style fervor. Like, mm-hmm. they have a lot this- more to answer for these they, days, they did they an AMA on HN is, is what it is, right? Yes. Okay. And they yeah, like, yeah. yeah, this is like, this is recently too. This is like a year and a half ago. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, they never reckoned with it. And like the people involved never like lost their jobs or anything like that. Like it's not a, th- it's a thing that I'm probably never not going to forgive them for until they do say something because mm-hmm. like, just, just going like, no, no, it's fine. We acknowledged it. Now it's over. Like, no, you need to, do better than that because that thing you did had a lot of <laughs> cascading problems over the years. So I, I just want to throw it like, yeah, they suck ass. And I'm probably never going to let that go. Third mm-hmm. thing. If I were buying gearbox, I would probably want to get rid of Randy Pitchford. 
and that they haven't makes me think that they can't. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the way I take it, right? Because he's the he's Wayne Pitchford is the CEO of Gearbox, if I'm not yes. mistaken. He is CEO, founder, and sole owner. Yeah, and so it it is probably you would have to give him like a huge lump sum of money or or stock or shares or something and make a deal with him in order, in order for him to leave. Like there's, I don't think there's anything they, that they can do unless he is actually willing to go. Yeah. I think it's, if he wants to go, he will go, but, or they have to give him a ton of money to agree to it. But like, I, maybe a good case scenario here is that he will theoretically have people to answer to if he like abuses employees or doesn't pay them or things like that, which are all things we have heard whether I mean how accurate they are. I have no idea at this point because there's just so many fucking stories about Randy Pitchford, but like, if those things happen, maybe like Embracer Group will be like, no, you got to pay your fucking employees. Like you can't just tell them no. So maybe that is the the silver lining of this is that it could get better for Gearbox as a company. Yeah, and I'll like and, and yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see how that pans out because yeah, Randy Pitchford is such a like he, he, he's like a lightning rod for controversy. Where no, because lightning rods get hit. He just does it. He like he causes yeah. it. Like where, like where he goes, there is destruction. And so during the whole rollout of Borderlands Three, where he's, you know, we have he has the thing at um at uh medieval times, right? Where he leaves yeah. leaves the USB that leads to the whole uh what was that it like barely have, legal like, stuff? Like yeah, there 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 is like a cascading effect that goes on around Randy Pitchford. That yeah, at the very least for Borderlands Three, I would have expected him to at least maybe be more behind the scenes than out there being the public figure that is speaking for Borderlands 3, because everybody's very aware of Randy Pitchford and the trash fire that was going around him at the time. The fact that he kept being that central figure uh, for it, very weird. And yeah, if I was Embrace Group, I'd be like, hey, you know, like, we can't, we, we can't make you leave, but if you could maybe calm down a little bit or like be behind the scenes for now on or, or just yeah. not talk, that'd be great. Like, we, we, like, we would like that. Um, but for the future, I imagine... I'm kind of with you that I imagine they do something. I, I imagine that, that that at some point they're like, all right, cool. What kind of deal can we make so that you go away? <laughs> like, how much money can we give you? There were definitely plans. Like, so years ago, I went to a Borderlands 3 event. And I, at the time, they were very clearly trying to, like, Randy Pitchford was there. But he was, like, they were trying to transition, like, the face of Borderlands to, like, the director of the game. Because, like, mm-hmm. and I remember all our interviews, like, oh, I want to interview Randy. He's like, no, 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 we're not good. We're not doing Randy interviews. He's like, talk to this person. And then he, like, partially because of me, uh, <laughs> ended up inserting himself into this story in a huge way. And, like, then he's just like, okay, I guess all the bad shit about Borderlands is going to be on Randy Pitchford's face again. So, mm-hmm. like, I bet you can just try and convince him, like, maybe step back from this thing. But then he's going to just insert himself again. So we'll see how it goes. Now, Imran, the Embracer Group acquisitions continue with story number four. Uh, Embracer Group acquires two more studios. Uh, I'm going to start. I have two different articles, both from GamesIndustry.biz, that I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to start with Matthew Handrahan, who writes about Embracer Group merging with Easy Brain in a, in a $640 million deal. Embracer Group has merged with Easy Brain in a deal that will see the mobile publisher's owners uh, become the third largest shareholder in Embracer overall. Quote, Easy Brain has repeatedly demonstrated the capability to develop, scale globally, and operate category-leading puzzle games and logic games, end quote, said Embrace Group CEO Lars Wingfers in a statement. Quote, by joining forces with Easy Brain, we have meaningfully accelerated Embracer's mobile and free-to-play business, end quote. 
I'm going to add in another article from Marie, Marie de Alessandri at GamesIndustry.biz Games who talks about them acquiring Asper Media uh, for $100 million. Embracer Group, via its wholly owned subsidiary Saber Interactive, has acquired U.S.-based developer Asper Media by merger. Asper, uh, based, am I saying that right? Asper, is it Asper? Aspire. Aspire. That, that makes more sense. Uh, A-S-P-Y-R. Aspire, based in Austin, Texas, will be, will be a standalone entity under Saber Interactive. Its team of 140 developers will be joining Embracer Group, including its founders Michael Rogers and Ted Stolak, who will continue to lead the studio. Aspire was created in 1996 and has a long-standing partnership with 2K Games to port its games. It's also known for porting the LucasArts franchise Jedi Knight to PS4 and Switch. The studio generated $40.6 million in revenue in 2020 and currently has several games in development, quote, including one major ongoing game development project with an approximate budget of $70 million, the announcement said. They don't stop and run. They keep going. Yeah, so, like, I have nothing to say about Easy Brain besides the thing of, like, consolidation is, like, really creepy and bad. Uh, the Aspire thing. So, a couple of days, or days, weeks ago, I think you and Tim talked about how there appears to be a Knights of the Old Republic game being hinted yeah. at. And everyone was like, who? The, the, the rumors I think Schreier was saying was, like, it's going to be by someone who is not a household name, but like when you think about it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. It's not a big budget project. When I read this about Aspire having a $70 million project that uh, Embracer Group thinks is going to be very important for them, and like looking at their previous stuff, I kind of wonder, are they making a new Knights of the Old Republic? That's a good poll. I mean, honestly, like, that's, a, that's a very, very good uh idea right there i'm like looking up aspire media because i want to know what they've done for me recently because yeah they did do uh the port of jedi knights they've done a few other games i'm trying to find their portfolio because like i usually i'd be like oh it's gonna be bioware but like based on the things people were saying around that rumor of oh it's not it's not a household name it's going to be lower budget like aspire makes some sense Mm -hmm. maybe not like i can't think of what else i mean it could easily be something else. It could easily just be like whatever, a seventy million dollar project. But like that rings to me like, hey, we're making a Star Wars RPG. Yeah, I mean they're not household name, and they do make sense. Like they've done uh, Civilization Six for mobile, uh, a game called Light Matter that I've never heard of, but it has a cool name and cool art to it too. Uh, a lot of Civilizations. I guess they ported Star Wars Racer for Switch and PS4. It's a lo- it's a lot of like porting they're doing. Yes. A lot of working on other uh, games. So they've done work on Borderlands also. Maybe the, I don't know, maybe the Kodor game is like a port of one and two. Who knows? Like, I mean, they talked about um, but that would be $70 that, million dollars. in the story that me and Tim talked about. Right. Like the implication was that it was a reboot, like remake ish, but not the same game. You know, like yeah. I, the way I kind of took it was as a maybe a blue point thing where it is either Kotor just done from the ground up and like replaced assets and story done up and all this stuff or it's it's a reboot with like the same ideas and same con the same uh concepts as kotor right it being this bioware ish rpg but a brand new thing and i can see that like high republic game that might make sense too yeah yeah no i mean that's 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 a really good poll um but again like thq or uh, embrace group here is I'm with you. That's kind of scary to watch. I'm curious to see what their end goal is, because obviously as a big company, their end goal is to make a lot of money. And by doing this, they're going to make a lot of money, seemingly. 
Like it's not, it's they've not blown up yet. They've not, they've not like hit the point where it's like, fuck, we acquired all these double A studios and now we're dying. It seems like it's working out pretty good for them. Uh, and well, Gearbox is kind of an objectively good poll because you know that they're a moneymaker. And so, like, this seems like it's going to continue. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it all works out. Like, right now, like I said, they have 50 something studios. They could theoretically put out seven to 10 games a year. Which is a lot. Like, yeah. Not, not even like necessarily huge. Like, they own Coffee Stain, which is a great studio that does like their own diversity and inclusion programs and stuff like that. But like, they made like Goat Simulator. So these are not necessarily like giant games. But yeah, I will see what actually happens because that's a. They could be the most prolific publisher in the industry if they start committing to it. And yeah. that is also really scary because I don't know enough about them to say like, Oh, they're a good force for the industry yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're going to have a positive impact overall, or or not. Yeah. Do you think they continue to acquire bigger? Because there were yeah. there was a story a couple weeks ago that talked about how they're setting up to acquire big. Like they're setting up to possibly go for an EA or a uh, I forget what the other example is, but they're going for that size of publisher. Do you think that this was that, or do you think they're that possibly they're going to keep going and, and inquire bigger and bigger? So to my knowledge, they did not seek out Gearbox. Gearbox was looking for a buyer. I heard a couple of months ago, I suppose like Gearbox is looking to be purchased. So I imagine they went to Embracer. If Embracer is looking for something bigger than Gearbox, then EA has been on a lot of lists of like Tencent and like uh, other other companies basically that have been looking for big acquisitions. But it it always feels too big for me to see someone buying them. I don't know where they would go with that. Like, if I were Embracer Group, I would maybe pick up like a smaller Japanese company. I've, I've used this as Microsoft for an example, but like uh, Koei Tecmo or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that would make a lot more sense as a a publisher that works with a lot of different IPs and works on mainly double A games. Hmm. We'll have to wait and see, Imran. Before I get to story number five. I want to tell you about our sponsor. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Brooke Lennon. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than really nice sheets. But maybe you looked at some retailers and calculated the years of interest you'd pay on just one setup and gave up. Trust me, go check out Brooke Lennon. Brooke Lennon was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost them an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooke Lennon as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooke Lennon has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooke Lennon has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Kind of Funny loves Brooklinen. Tim has Brooklinen sheets that match the rest of his home. And Greg loves the comfortable towels and how they help him hide his shame. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code GAMES to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping that's b-r-o-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com and enter promo code games to get 25 dollars off when you spend a hundred dollars or more plus free shipping brooklyn.com and use promo code games at checkout we're also brought to you by honey these days it feels like online shopping is the only shopping we really do that's where today's sponsor honey comes in 
It's the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically tests them when you're checking out. Honey is basically your online shopping best friend. Here's how it works. You get Honey on your computer for free in two easy clicks. Then when you're checking out on one of its over 30,000 supported sites, Honey pops up and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons for that site. If Honey finds working codes, it'll apply the best one to your cart. Kind of funny loves Honey. Tim Geddes himself has used it for years and has saved thousands of dollars. He says himself, you are silly if you don't use it. It is free and easy. Joey Noel says it's great because you only have to install it once and then it pops up anytime you're shopping on a site to get gold back on your purchase. Greg likes honey in his tea. He also talked about it yesterday. He, he does use, use honey and he loves it, all that stuff. But when I asked in the Slack, hey, does anybody have anything to say about honey? He replied, I like it in my tea. And so that's what I'm going to say. Greg likes honey in his tea, which is actually a good choice because I also like honey in my tea. Honey is very good. Honey has found its over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Honey supports all kinds of retailers from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands to even food delivery. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and works with whatever browser you use. You can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com games. That's joinhoney.com games so they know that we sent you. Thanks, Honey, for supporting today's episode. Our last news story for the day. Story number five, EA is very, very confident about Bioware's future. This is from Rebecca Valentine from the show at IGN. Following the departure of Bioware's former general manager, Casey Hudson, and Dragon Age executive (laughs) producer, Mark DeRaw, EA leadership is reassuring investors that it is very, very confident in the studio's future. During the company's Q3 earnings call today, CEO Andrew Wilson responded to a question from an investor about the recent departures by praising Bioware while simultaneously acknowledging criticism over over the studio's output in the recent years. Quote, I think that from an outside world, there have been some blips in Bioware's delivery over the last couple of years, but that has come as a result of them pushing deeply into innovation and creativity, and we feel very, very confident about their future roadmap. And we've talked about games like Dragon Age and Mass Effect in their future, end quote, he said. Quote, he continues, with respect to Casey and Mark leaving, both good friends of mine, and we have tremendous respect for both of them, but this happens in the... This happens in the natural course of creative organizations from time to time. And we feel very, very good about the ongoing leadership of that studio. And, quote, Imran, do you feel very, very confident about the future of Bioware? Like, the more varies you throw in a thing, the less, it, like, the more it betrays what you're actually saying. It's like, we're very, very confident. Like, mm, yeah. Maybe, like, describing the last couple of Bioware games as blips is interesting. Because they're also describing it as the last couple of years when it has been the last generation is also interesting. Yeah, like what Bioware's output last gen was Andromeda, uh, Inquisition, which I, Inquisition, I think was good. Yeah, that got Game uh, of the Year IGN. Yeah, and um, Anthem, like mm-hmm. that's not blips. That is overall we don't really know what we're doing, and the people you brought in to like write the ship have now left. Which does that mean the ship has been righted, or does it mean that? they need to bring in more people to write the ship even better. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I, after the Mass Effect stuff, I was like, cool. All, mostly what this does is remind me of a time when I liked Bioware. So what is, does Anthem going, like, they said they were going to have a Realm Reborn it. Are they doing that? Is that still happening? Is that coming out soon? Like, is that for new consoles? Is that for old consoles? Can you show us exactly what that means? Like, <sighs> Man, what I hope Dragon so. Look like? 
I like, hope they, so because like right now Bioware is in such a fascinating place because they they have had a generation of misses with with the exception of Dragon Age Inquisition which I know people loved. It, it could be a miss depending on who you talk to. There's some people exactly. who really like it but some people don't. But for for what Mass Effect Andromeda was and for what Anthem was, I would expect them to be in a similar place that CD Projekt Red is. Maybe this is just time distancing us. Maybe what time we'll get to the same place with CD Projekt where for their next project, I would be in the place where I'm like, all right, we'll see. Like, who knows, man? This developer is not what they were before. But with the with the announcement of Microsoft of um, Microsoft of Mass Effect Legendary Edition and with the embargo lifting yesterday of previews and people seeming to be very excited about it, they're in a very fascinating place because I think they still do have the opportunity to turn things around uh, in terms of how they are viewed in the eyes of their fans and the eyes of uh, the the audience. Where Mass Effect Legendary Edition is kind of a golden ticket because this is their shot to have a W in the span of uh, a number of years where they haven't had a W. Even Anthem Next, right? Like I, them not saying anything, fingers crossed, I hope, is a sign that they're churning away and working on it and doing something. In reality, I think that game is just done. I think, they, I think they've given up. That's kind of where I'm at. It's been years since Anthem. And so like, who knows what they're doing, doing with that thing. But Mass Effect Legendary Generation does present for them an opportunity to like, all right, cool. People like this. Like it's 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 the Mass Effect games people love already. And so if we can just pretty this up and you know make it look like a quote unquote current gen game and deliver it to people and have people excited about this thing, that's going to set us up in a good place, hopefully, for the next Dragon Age and the next Mass Effect, which are both <laughs> announced, which is gonna yeah. which is gonna take a while to get out there. That too, like okay, so. Th- there's two things I want to hit on there. One is I kind of worry that Bioware is going to be like, you know, that Inception. You've seen Inception, correct? Yeah. I, I don't want to assume anything with you, Blessing. In terms no, of movies I've seen Inception seen. a number okay. of times. <laughs> okay. Like that line of like being old men talking about, you know, you know, I don't remember the entire line. I shouldn't have referenced the line. I don't remember. But like that kind of thing of them going, just going like, hey, we made Mass Effect. Mass Effect was good, right? You remember those things? You remember the old Dragon Age games? We made those. Those were good. Like you've got two projects you've already announced god knows how far along they are like we don't we've we've seen like literally models on a blanks or a void a black void for dragon age and we've seen a cg teaser for mass effect are those games going to come out this generation do we like Mm -hmm. i assume dragon age will but like is mass effect like what is Anthem going to be a thing that you waste your time on at this point like are you going to do an anthem too is is it worth it to like rehabilitate this game that probably will never get a sequel like that's the like that that's the thing that i that fascinates me about uh uh, anthem also is that like in the best case scenario god shines down on bioware and they do it they fix anthem they bring anthem to current gen consoles anthem turns out to be a comeback success and has an active community and all that do they have what does that do for their next two games like two triple a big bunch of games that they're working on right like can you juggle those three at the same time? Does that mean you scale? Does that mean you hire up? Like, what does that look like for you guys? What is Bioware now? Like, it's the it's the ship of Theseus thing. Like, they've replaced it and changed so many parts of it. Is anyone who's there now who was there like the previous games? Like, uh, there was a f- screen yesterday of when they were releasing those Mass Effect screens of Eden Prime. And I don't remember if you've played Mass Effect before. Plus, no, I'm not. no. Okay. At the beginning of the game, you go to a colony that is currently like shit's going down in a bad way and it's supposed to look like hell on earth because like yeah like the sky's red it looks real bad 
the the screenshot they showed of the updated version was like sunny skies and like some battles going on and like mm -hmm. okay whoever made this scene originally is not there anymore because otherwise they'd be like what the fuck are you guys doing to my scene because like this i kind of wonder like is that there's obviously probably talent still at bioware is it the same talent is it the people who got what made mass effect good back in the old days and that's I'm not going to say no, but it's an open question. Like I, I'm going to look at the Mass Effect Four or whatever they call it as suspiciously because I don't know what I don't know what is grounding that game besides the fact that it's hey, it's Liara again. Hey, it's a it's a universe I liked before. Iran, mm -hmm. very excited to see what they end up doing with Mass Effect Four and the next Dragon Age and their whole portfolio in general. I'm I'm very excited to see if they're able to turn it all around, but. The release of those games are probably just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I go? I'm going to try and do this from memory. The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games that we show host each and every weekday. Got it. Spot on. Congratulations, Emron. You got a week left and you nailed it. Out today, we got Hibroxia 2 for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Vita, and PC. And then from Push Square, uh, PS5 firmware update 20.02-02.50.00 is available to download right now. Uh, the following, and this is according to, to the uh, firmware notes, the following issue was resolved. The PS4 version of the game uh, was sometimes installed from the PS4 game disc, even after upgrading the disc version of a PS4 game to the PS5 version. Uh, so that's fixed. You can now select and edit video clips using ShareFactory Studio from your media gallery. And then this system software update improves system performance. New dates for you. Blastful is coming to the Nintendo Switch on February 25th worldwide and on PS4 on February 23rd in America and on February 26th in Europe. 100 Days will be out on May 13th on PC and Google Stadia. And then Creative, Creative Assembly has announced Total War Warhammer 3, which will arrive in 2021 for PC via Steam and Epic Game Store. Emron. Of course, people can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games to write in with their questions and their squad ups. I got a squad up for you. Uh, the other Sean writes in with a squad up, and it's a very simple one. The other Sean writes in and says, honestly, not looking to play anything at the moment, but if you want a KFBF to follow slash follow you back, I got you. If you want to add uh, the other Sean on PS4 and PS5 for shits and giggles, uh, their username is the other Sean, all one word. That is T H E O T H E R S H A U N, the other Sean. Get it. Hustle. Hustle. Now it's time for kindofunny.com slash you wrong. You write in a list of what we got wrong as we got it wrong. Uh, let's see here okay that's not a you're wrong all right uh rocky writes in and says aspire ported the kotor games from mac from early on so again imran's on to something here i didn't even think about that when you mentioned imran that like actually kind of blew me away because i did not put two and two together but that makes a lot of sense so, uh, I, we'll see it, if it materializes let's see here let's see here let's see here more of a star trek joke there at the end there all right that's not a you're wrong either and so we nailed it i'm wrong we killed it <laughs> we're very, never very wrong. what was that we're never wrong and i don't remember if i lied in this one so oh my god i really do want that montage of all the Imran lies that we just didn't catch over <laughs> over the months i don't remember any of them so god all right anyway tomorrow's hosts for the show are uh greg and tim and then friday 
we get Greg and Laura Kate Dale for our kind of funny spotlight. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Snowbike Mike and Greg playing some of that Division 2 with a star-studded cast. And so stay tuned for that. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>